Under NASA's Artemis program, Dynetics and Lidos will develop and build a new human landing system, advancing economic opportunities and paving the way for a sustained lunar economy. Learn more at DyneticsHLS.com. Look in your home. Look in your office. Look in your home office. Everywhere you turn, there's so much smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart, too. Our game-changing FlexPath format puts you in control of your master's degree, so you can learn how, when, and where you want. Smart, huh? Yeah, we think so, too. So if you want to take the next step in your career, make Capella your first step. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. Feels good, baby. I will be back here. I will be back here. And I will be back. Welcome to the Fourth and Gold Podcast. We are back. A preview episode. It is Rams week. The Rams are coming to Levi Stadium for Sunday Night Football. The last time the Niners played Sunday Night Football, they laid an egg versus the Philadelphia Eagles. It was a disgusting, disgusting effort by the 49ers. Um, but I'm optimistic about this week. I don't know why. But uh, Matt, how you feeling? Uh, you're optimistic, which makes one of us. So I'm not feeling super hot about this one. I think this is going to be another uh, drubbing on Sunday night. We'll get into our predictions a lot later. But but as always, you know, we don't know our opponents as well as, as, as folks who cover the team do. So joining us to help break down the Rams and help let us get a little insight to them. We got J.B. Long, the voice of the Rams. J.B., how you doing, man? Hey, Matt, thanks for reaching out. It's nice to hear from you and Javier to connect with you as well. Appreciate what you guys do and uh, honored to be a guest. Thanks for joining us. We really, really appreciate it. Um, the Rams are coming off a nine and seven season. They look to be back to 2018 form. Um, they've played the NFC least. And there's a lot of 49 <laughs> fans who are not really giving the Rams the credit that they deserve. Um, however, I am not one of those fans. You still have... Jalen Ramsey, you still have Aaron Donald. Jared, Jared Goff still does a few things really, really well. The offensive line looks much improved. Where are the Rams at in this, you know, under the Sean McVay era now, year four? Yeah, year four now with Sean McVay. Well, I know they're not going to return any of those wins over the NFC East, right? Sweeping into divisions, nothing to apologize for. The fact that it comes uh, in conference is huge in terms of setting them up for their postseason chances and all the tiebreakers that may come down the road. Um, how good are they? I'm not sure. I, I think this uh, Sunday will be another stepping stone in figuring out the answer to that. I'm convinced they're good. Are they great? You know, I think the division will tell more about that story. Uh, you can argue it either way. You can say they've played one of the softest schedules, or you could say that they're uh, a phantom pass interference at the end of the Buffalo game away from being five and zero and being right there with, uh, 
you know, Green Bay and some of the other teams that are thought to be championship contenders. So we'll see. Uh, I, my caution with the NFL, if I've learned anything through my year so far, is it's never where you are in the power rankings in, in October. It's are you fortunate enough to bank enough wins to put yourself in a favorable postseason position and then hope that your roster looks as close to as, you know, the front office drew it up back in the summer, back in the spring, uh, when you get to that that postseason, that new year. Uh, the Rams were fortunate to be there two years ago when they made their NFC Championship run, much the same for the Niners a year ago. But um, I know this week has been much about the comparisons between these franchises and their shared experience with the uh, dreaded Super, Super Bowl hangover. I'm not sure that that's necessarily where the Niners are at. I'm not sure that's necessarily what the Rams experienced in 2019, but fair or otherwise, uh, I think that's going to be the narrative going into Sunday Night Football. So you said you're not sure if the Rams are great or not. not. One person we know who is great is Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald is the guy. He is legit. He is crushing right now seven and a half sacks through those five games. The 49ers interior offensive line has not played well so far. What can we expect from Aaron Donald on Sunday night? Well, I mean, I I like to describe Aaron this way. He's not playing the guy across from him. Uh, He's playing Canton, Ohio. Uh, He's playing the best. (laughs) to have ever done it. I think he takes every rep in the weight room on the field that way. And yes, he does seek out favorable matchups. Um, but show me a matchup in the national football league that isn't favorable, at least one-on-one with Aaron Donald. Uh, what I think the Rams have done a good job of so far this year, um, is creating more one-on-one opportunities for him. He's been double and triple team for the better part of his career, especially lately since he's taken over kind of NFL defensive player of the year status. Um, but Brandon Staley's done a nice job. I think overloading some protections to sides opposite Aaron. Aaron's always moved around. Uh, he's always played up and down the defensive line to try and give himself the best opportunity to puncture the pocket. And I think what we, what we've seen in these last couple of weeks, especially is that new teammates are learning to rush with and around Aaron Donald. It was something that Dante Fowler really acclimated to in his two years with the Rams. And I think with his departure, it took a moment for those to just realize like, wow, Aaron gets off the ball so quickly. He gets vertical so quickly. I'm going to have to adjust my plan to sync with his and uh, Troy reader, for example, middle linebacker, just kind of firing uh, from his spot to pick up three sacks last week in Washington, uh, I think is an example of that. Yeah. I mean, when you have a guy like, Aaron Donald, you know, taking up two guys, it's easy for the linebackers just to get after the quarterback too. Aaron Donald is just, he does so much, whether he's getting pressures or just causing, you know, the offensive line to focus primarily on him and allows other guys to come free. I did like the Leonard Floyd pickup this offseason. I thought that was a really smart pickup by the Rams. Uh, that was a guy that I would, that I thought the Niners should have been in on, um, but money is tight. A lot of 49er fans want to, they ask the question every time they see a Rams contract, where is this money coming from <laughs> and why do they keep signing players or how do they keep doing this? Um, what do you make of the roster construction uh, for this Rams team? It, to me, initially it was, we're going to just go pay for some high price free agents. We're going to give away draft picks and we're going to try to you know do this thing this way, as opposed to say Kyle Shanahan's method of, all right, we're going to build through the free agency really, really cheap and build through the draft. Where do you, where do you think that the, the Rams are on their roster construction so far? 
Well, first, with respect to the salary cap, I mean, it's like Bigfoot UFOs and salary cap. I hear a lot about them. I've never necessarily been able to pin them down. Uh, I'm not entirely sure that that they're not just figments of our imagination. Um, yeah, the, the Rams have done some creative things. Uh, I guess the advantage that they have of paying guys early is, is kind of building in some wiggle room there, whether it's restructuring guys like Donald, Johnny Hecker, the punter, even Jared Goff's contract to free up some space. Um, and then it also happens in conjunction with extending these guys, right? Like getting Jalen's contract done was a big piece to free up some money in different years. Likewise, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. So I'm no salary capologist. I, I can't sit here and explain it to you. I'm not sure that I even have my mind wrapped around it. But I do know this just from like a high level standpoint. I think they made an executive decision to take some of that pain this year. And that pain has to do with paying Todd Gurley and Brandon Cooks to play for other teams, right? Um, but if this is the roster they've been able to assemble while they're paying a good chunk of their salary cap to stars for other teams, then I think it bodes well when that money does become available because, you know, the ink is already dry on Donald, Goff, Ramsey, um, even Havenstein, their right tackle. So, you know, like any team, they're going to have to cut some corners. Um, it's, it's not Alabama. You're not three deep with, you know, five-star recruits at every position. And, and you see that when you look at the Rams roster, like they're making calculated bets on their off-ball linebackers, for instance. That's just, and you know, when Corey Littleton goes to Vegas this year, that's an area where they feel like, hey, we can fill in a house. They didn't go out and, and make a move for someone like Trent. They doubled down on the offensive line group that they, you know, took some growing pains with last year. And so far, fingers crossed, that's, that's been a really, uh, a bet that's returned really good results. So, um you know, so much of it is good fortune. So much of it is, I think, knowing your own uh, talent in house and doing a good job of self scouting. And then ultimately, you have to draft well. And it's way too early to be evaluating the 2020 class, much less the 2019 class before it necessarily. But when I look at what they did this year, once again, without a first round pick, I mean, I think Cam Akers is a starting running back in this league. I think Van Jefferson is a starting receiver in this league, even if he isn't yet. Um, I think Terrell Lewis is going to be the bookend uh, outside linebacker opposite a man. You already mentioned Leonard Floyd. Uh, they got tremendous value in Jordan Fuller, who unfortunately won't play this week against your Niners, but he came into camp out of Ohio state and just flat out won a starting safety job on a team that was already loaded with safeties. So um, I think there are at least five, maybe six bona fide starters out of this draft class without having a first round pick that's quite a haul. And that's something they're going to have to continue to do, you know, when you have top tier talent. Yeah. The 49ers and, and the Rams are always going to be tied together because of their head coaches. They both hire young offensive minded head coaches in the same year. And they're always going to be evaluated based on how those guys perform. Sean McVay has done something that I haven't seen from him so far in his career. And that is make adjustments. He's really altered his offense a little bit and he's learned from his mistakes in the past. And instead of just slamming his head against the wall and trying to do the same thing over and over again, he's gotten a little more creative and he's figured out a way to get Jared Goff in positions that make him comfortable. When Jared Goff is comfortable, he picks you apart. So, so what is your overall evaluation of the Rams offense so far through five games? Yeah, I think it goes back to last December. And I think uh, those who watched that, that week 16 game at Levi saw more than just a hint of what was to come here in 2020. Um, you know, Goff is, is not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Kyler Murray, but he, he runs well. He long strides, he covers ground and he throws really well on the run going to both shoulders, which is impressive. Like he can flip his hips going to his left and, and throw on the keeper game. And I think 
McVeigh, um, for a variety of reasons, including having a depleted offensive line last year, needed to get Goff um, off platform, like by design. They needed to move his spot a little bit and give him a chance to be a little bit quicker um, in that keeper game, give him some easy half field reads. Uh, and, and that worked well. And then I think they just went all in on it this off season. And it's not just Jared. Like I, I know this strategy is a fix to Jared, but it has a lot to do with your offensive line, like the talent, the personnel that you have, how it marries your running game and your passing game. And I think what they layered in from the last time you saw the Rams is a reshuffled offensive line that can create holes in different ways that can do more than just run outside zone and stretch you sideline to sideline. And they now have three backs who are willing to get skinny and hit those small creases and take their three, four or five yards on first down to put them in favorable down and distances. So, um, you know, addition by subtraction is the wrong way to describe what's happened with Todd Gurley in this running game. But I think they are more diverse. They're more capable and they can threaten you in every gap with their running game. And then as always, Sean, like Kyle, has just a God-given ability uh, and a hard work ethic to be able to match, you know, passing concepts off of that, that really stress defenses and put them in conflict. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And the adjustment that I saw, um, I'm not an expert by any means, but it feels like... uh, McVay has figured out a way to allow golf to hit every level in the passing game. There's a lot of flood concepts. So you're having three different levels in the pass game where he can hit you deep with Van Jefferson a little bit further down the field, Robert Woods. And then of course, Cooper cup is just an absolute monster at in the slot. Um, so I, I really like what McVay's doing on offense. You mentioned a guy, Jordan Fuller. He was somebody that I really liked out of the draft at Ohio state. I'm a Penn state guy. So I watched a lot of big mm. 10 football. He was definitely on my list. For the 49ers to, to grab, I thought I thought he'd be a good team fit. What what's going on with Taylor Rapp here? There's what happened? I don't I don't understand why he's not playing as much. Yeah, so I mean a couple of things. One, uh, for your audience, obviously the third and sixteen bust um <laughs> with, with Jalen Ramsey um last year, you know, y- you could say that maybe dented his confidence. I don't necessarily point to that. I think that was over and done with and a part of last season. Um, but it, it has resurfaced this week because he's going to be your starter at safety. Jalen obviously is playing really well. And back, they go to Levi stadium. I honestly think um, it was more circumstantial with fuller having a built in skill set and that kind of deep center field safety, the way that Brandon Staley set this defense up and wanted to play it. Uh, they hit, they hit on that draft pick in a big way. And Taylor Rapp, who's an incumbent has a, has an injury knee injury that causes him to miss the first couple of weeks of training camp. And so they play it cautiously with him. Why wouldn't you given the slow ramp up period that we all lived through uh, with the 2020 COVID training camp. Um, and they let him do his thing and let him rehab. And just by the time he got right, by the time he got back to the place where you could run him out there and play him with the ones, there was already a one in place. And, you know, this is a rough league. Uh, and it's not to say they're not loyal to, to Taylor. It's not to say they aren't still banking on him very heavily. Um, but it's, it's quick. It was fascinating how quickly Fuller, who wasn't even the first safety they drafted. I feel like Terrell Burgess warrants mention here because they jumped on Burgess out of Utah first. Um, and so not only did Fuller leapfrog his draft classmate, he leapfrogged an incumbent starter who was taken in the second round the year before. So I'm not sure what higher compliment you can pay a rookie than that. 
to come in with no offseason program and win that job the way he did. Yes. Yeah, so Fuller was the guy I was fully expecting to cover George Kittle. That was the guy I was really expecting to see getting after George Kittle. And we saw on the last Sunday night football game, the 49ers played in granted they laid an egg, but the one person that didn't lay an egg was George Kittle. 183 yards receiving and one touchdown. You mentioned Corey Littleton goes to Vegas. Corey Littleton is one of my favorite players on that Rams team because I thought he was just a do-everything kind of guy, especially in pass coverage. How are the Rams going to do their best to contain George Kittle? Because it's you know it's it's like that old sports center saying you can't you can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him. So, what's the game plan here for the Rams? Yeah, so obviously Kittle is uh, one of the biggest mismatches in the entire NFL, and he's given the Rams fits. I mean, he's been San Francisco's leading receiver and scored a touchdown seemingly every time uh, we've linked up with the Niners in recent years. And I felt like when they hired Brandon Staley, uh, their new defensive coordinator, they had Kittle and Juszczyk and Shanahan very much at top of mind and kind of solving that problem for this year and for many years to come to the extent they're able to. Um, similarly with Jalen Ramsey, I mean, he is more than just a lockdown corner in this defense. And when they were talking about such things, you know, during the summer program and the virtual meetings and how he was going to you know, play more positions and play more roles, it was like, you know, alarms going off in my mind, like George Kittle, right? Like, <laughs> why not? Why not deploy one of your best defensive assets? when you can, when it makes sense to not, not every down, obviously he's not going to shadow a tight end. Um, but I would be surprised if we didn't see much more Ramsey versus Kittle than we have so far. And then, you know, the other piece that I'll point out was missing since we already talked about Taylor Rapp in the most recent matchup was John Johnson and, uh, no offense to Eric Weddle, who was on the tail end of his career, but like John Johnson was on the fringe of being a pro bowl safety and he had a season ending injury at the Coliseum against the Niners um, and missed their rematch. And I think Johnson is as capable a tight end cover as the Rams have. And I think the combination of those two give them a much, much better chance in this defense this season of maybe mitigating the impact that Kittle's had than in years gone by. Whether or not that proves to be the case, who knows? He may go for 120 and three touchdowns. Um, but if the Rams are able to generate as much pressure as they hope to and, and maybe force Kittle to extend that offensive line and play a bigger role in pass protection than run as many routes as he typically does. You know, that that'll be one of the things that I think tips this game in one team's favor. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, that was my biggest concern watching tape is the, uh, the safety play. And, um, you know, just rewatching a couple games, it's like, man, can Jimmy Garoppolo look them off and, and make these plays? And I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty down on Jimmy Garoppolo. We're, I guess what do the Rams think of Jimmy Garoppolo and what do you think where do you think the Niners could attack this defense to you know to give the 49ers a a shot at winning this game we all know the Niners have suffered quite a bit of injuries and they're not the 2019 49ers but um where you got where are the Rams at against with their thoughts of Jimmy Garoppolo and then um where do you think the Niners can attack and take advantage of this Rams defense well, I think he's an all pro as far as the Rams are concerned. They haven't had much success against him. I think they would like to kind of change that narrative. Uh, I know he's not 100% right now, and uh, I can only imagine what it's like to play quarterback at this level uh, when you're not right physically. Uh, very few very few of them can do it at, at such a high level. Uh, but look, I, I think the best way for the Niners to attack the Rams defensively 
is to leverage the time and score to their advantage and the down and distance to their advantage. Uh, I, I still think they are a phenomenal running team. I think they can create numbers in the running game in a way that very few rosters and coaching staffs can. Um, but the Rams so far, they're four and one because they haven't played from behind much. I mean, Buffalo got them, Buffalo jumped them and they came all the way back, but they're basically, basically a missed field goal and a missed extra point in the first quarter against the NFC East from sweeping that division without trailing for a single snap. I mean, they have been in the catbird seat. They have been totally dictating to opponents what they want to do within a down and distance and within uh, the, you know, the, the time and score. You guys saw last week against Miami how that can get away with get away from you so quickly. Like Raheem Mostert's the best player on the field, and Shanahan desperately wants to get him more work. But when you're chasing three or four scores, you can't. You just can't. You, you come out of that, and in fact, you you bench the quarterback who might not be able to play catch up the way that you need to in that second half. So, uh, not that any team wants to be put in those uh, painted into those corners, but. Certainly against the Rams, I don't think that's what Garoppolo and the Niners can afford to do. I think they almost have to be stubborn, uh, hammering away with their running game, because if there is a deficiency, well, there are two deficiencies right now, at least statistically for the 2020 Rams. They run it well, they throw it well, they defend the pass really well. They punt it okay. But they have not played well in special teams, and they have not necessarily dominated the, the opponent's running game. Now, again, part of that is misleading, because who's been able to, to run the football consistently against the Rams when they are playing from behind. Not really realistic to expect that of opposing offenses. If the Niners can, can play even or even a little bit ahead for the better part of the first half into the second half, I think they'll have as good a chance as anyone of defeating the Rams with their rushing game. Because I, I just know, like we talked about what it means to have you know, Dwelly and use check and Kittle and a portfolio of running backs that can, that can make you pay for a bust. I mean, you look at the long touchdowns, I think they've both been on first down, weren't they for most so far this season? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that doesn't happen by accident and it's, it's not exactly uncharacteristic for the Shanahan offense. And, and similarly, I respect just like Rams, what the receivers mean to the running game, the way they compete on the perimeter blocking and also the threat that they are to catch a football behind the line of scrimmage or to take a jet sweep and do damage on the perimeter. I know you guys have plenty of those weapons just as the Rams do. So you talk about those weapons. I want to ask about one guy that I, I in particular, I think is going to have a big game. Uh, K1 Williams, a premier slot corner in the NFL is missing from this game. He's not going to play. He's on IR. Cooper cup is maybe the best pure slot wide receiver in the NFL. And he is tearing it up this year. Do you expect him to come out and continue to do it because he's going to go going up against a guy named Jamar Taylor? And I know the folks at home who listen to our podcast know who he is, but the folks who listen to the Rams may go, I don't know who Jamar Taylor is. Do you think the Rams try and kind of force feed him and, and take advantage of that mismatch? It is rough to kind of go through my board and kind of just update year to year, uh, especially on the 49ers defense and, you know, whether it's in the secondary or, certainly on the defensive front, like the number of, well, he's not here anymore or he's not going to be able to go. Uh, you hate that. You hate that. Uh, it's, you know, this rivalry is so good that you want it to be full tilt. And it felt like we were getting there. Unfortunately, this matchup is, is one that's going to be played at less than a hundred percent. And that's unfortunate. Um, but to your point about cup, like, yes, it, it would not at all surprise me if he feasts on a, 
you know, replacement level NFL slot cornerback uh, because he's been known to do that, but he's also done it against some of the elite ones. That being said, I, I, one of the things I really appreciate about covering this McVay offense and, and it's Jared Goff who distributes it well too, is oftentimes you'll go into a game thinking, okay, this is the favorable matchup. This is what we're going to exploit. And it's never that predictable. Um, you know, I think most of the angst right now in the Rams fan base is why can't we get Tyler Higby more touches? What's happened to him since he scored three touchdowns against the Eagles? Well, it just happened to be Gerald Everett's turn last mm-hmm. week. And, and same thing like Robert Woods will go off and you'll be like, yes, like he should be a pro bowler, feed him. He should be 1200, you know, yard and eight touchdown guy. Well, then the next week it's, it's Cooper cup or it's Josh Reynolds. Same thing is going on in the backfield right now where you've got Malcolm Brown, Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson and on the one hand, you want to get Cam Akers, who is your top draft pick <clears throat> in the spring, more work. But whose pie is that going to come out of? Yeah, uh, McVay calls these champagne problems. And um, <laughs> and so while I would say, yes, that is one of the more favorable matchups that you're describing there with Cooper Cup against the third corner for San Francisco. If Cup goes for two catches and 18 yards, I don't think that will necessarily preclude the Rams <laughs> from having a productive day offensively and winning this game because they do have other options. And Sean and, and Jared may just see it differently and or, you know, Robert Sala and company may compensate for that deficiency in a way that opens up something that we're not anticipating on Thursday night. Yeah, so before we let everyone go, we try and get a prediction out of them. And so our big question is, how do you see Sunday night going? So here's where I'm not very good one predictions, but I'm also the last guy year after year after year to realize and accept that this year's group is not last year's group. And the turnover rate is so fast and furious in the NFL that I am one to hang on to reputations. That's one to hang on to names and uniforms and logos. And when you look at the black and white too deep right now, these are not the 2019 49ers. I get that. You guys are living that reality. I don't need to preach that to you. So to me, objectively, the Rams should be favored. This is a game the Rams should win. I preamble only to say absolutely none of that matters because this is San Francisco against Los Angeles. This is 49ers Rams. And uh, some good friends of mine who do the Around the NFL podcast call this the cornered animal game. Like if you believe that the Niners have juice, if you believe that this locker room still has life and belief, you cannot lose three games in a row. You certainly can't start a home schedule. Oh, and four, no matter how few people are in that facility, right? Like these are just things that I cannot reconcile. I cannot wrap my mind around happening because of human nature. Mm -hmm. All that to say there's only one result that I think would surprise me this Sunday night. And that would be the Niners beating the brakes off the Rams. I think that would truly shock me. I imagine it would shock you too. Yeah. But if Robbie gold kicks a game winning field goal, wouldn't be shocked. If the Rams win an absolute bloodbath that comes down to the wire, wouldn't be surprised. And if the Rams truly prove that these are not the 2019 NFC champion 49ers as they're currently constructed, I think that would also be understandable leaving Sunday night football. So I'm, I'm not going to place a, a marker on any one of those scenarios, 
Um, but there's only one that I would take off the table that I would say, I just don't see that happening on Sunday. And that would be the Niners running away from the Rams. Yeah, that's fair. That's very fair. <laughs> um, and actually last, last thing before we get out of here, that Ram stadium, how beautiful is that thing? It's tremendous. And, um, and how do we get tickets? It's well, that's, <laughs> that's the thing. I mean, I, I, and on the one hand, I'm reveling in it. It's glorious. I've really, really enjoyed being there. We could do a whole nother show, multiple shows about it. Uh, but at the same time, I'm heartbroken because obviously in the grand scheme of things, dealing with much more serious issues uh, across the national football league and definitely as a society. Um, but as much as I love the Coliseum, like my wife and my kids have paid their dues at that old facility, historic facility, while it's been under renovation in the best and the worst of times. And they and the fan base have been waiting for this for what should have been four, ended up being five years. And the payoff is still yet to come. And and so I'm trying to find silver linings in that reality. And among them is the fact that I've gotten to enjoy it. I've kind of had my eyes pop out of my head a few times now. And then in subsequent years, it's not just going to be a grand opening. It's going to be seeing it through my wife's eyes, my son's eyes, my friend's eyes, like every guest that you bring, every season ticket holder that gets to see it through the first time. It's like, you know, having someone watch your favorite movie and you're kind of sitting there like anticipating all the, all the greatest parts with them and how fun that can be. So, you know, nothing's ever been done to this magnitude. Like there's nothing to compare it to in terms of the $5 billion plus price tag. So it's tough to say that it lived up to its expectation because there were no expectations. It was unprecedented, but certainly something that was this anticipated and this hyped in any walk of life is very, very difficult to live up to its building billing. I assure you that this building lives up to its expectations and exceeds them by an order of magnitude. Um, and whether you're a home fan or a visiting fan, I think it's going to be worth the price of admission for many years to come. Yeah, I that can't is, wait to go. I want to go. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's one stadium me and Javi put on the list that we want to go and see together. That and like Jerry World is another one down in Dallas. Uh, so yeah, so definitely so, try to make this happen. Since you mentioned that, here, here's a worthwhile comparison. First of all, Jerry World has aged phenomenally well. It's beautiful like, in there. You still walk into that place and it looks like it's sparkling new. But the video board is obviously the central feature of both of these palaces. Mm -hmm. And the difference in Dallas is that board is... It's the Death Star. It, it has a gravitational force. <laughs> yes. You are, I mean, literally drawn to it in a way that you miss live action. Mm -hmm. Like you, you're, you just end up craning your neck and watching it off of that video board. The What the Rams have in this Oculus uh, form is different because it doesn't obstruct sight lines every seat in the stadium allows you to see all four corners of the field. And all of those seats are so close to the field that you actually do naturally prefer to watch it live. And then everything that happens between plays kind of your eyes just kind of drift up to see what did I miss or what else is going on. And, and honestly, the premier experience, if, and when you guys do come, let's, let's say it's a 1 PM Pacific, like uh, national game of the week, Rams, Niners, Rams, Niners, you're there come early because you'll want to watch red zone on that video. <laughs> like there, is, there is not a better experience in sports than watching red zone from 10 AM to one o'clock on that, on that board. It's the best. Well, we were going to slide in your DMS for some tickets when that happens. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we're not that close. I'm just joking. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> JB, we do appreciate your time tonight. Uh, let the folks know where they can find you um, on Twitter, if you have an Instagram or anything that you, you do other than the, the Rams play by play. Your audience finding me on social media is not going to mean good things for me, fellas. Sorry, don't do that. <laughs> Under NASA's Artemis program, Dynetics and Lidos will develop and build a new human landing system, advancing economic opportunities and paving the way for a sustained lunar economy. Learn more at DyneticsHLS.com. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl and a foul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want a bunch of Niner fans hunting me down at Rams Radio at JB underscore long on Twitter. I, I can only imagine I'm gonna be uh, catching an earful, but... Um, look, I, I, I think it's super important for both of these franchises. I've said this ever since the Rams came back to Los Angeles for this rivalry to get back to a fever pitch. And it took a while for a variety of reasons, right? Like both franchises played their part in taking it, taking their sweet time to get this back to its peak. Um, but I think it's there. And I think long-term that's, what's best for both organizations, for both cities and for the NFL. So I, I look forward to many, many, uh, arm wrestles in the coming years. Absolutely, JB. Thank you so much for joining us. See you, Matt. See you, Javier. All righty, all righty. We want to thank JB Long for joining us today, the voice of the Rams. Uh, this is the Fourth and Gold Podcast. We do this. We get the opponents on and talk football mm-hmm. in a nice way. We don't have to yell at each other. It's okay. Um, there's a lot of yelling going on Twitter. There's a lot of yelling going on in 49er Twitter, mostly by me the last couple days. Uh, <laughs> uh, but Bill Barnwell put out a piece today on potential mm-hmm. trades, and the Niners came up twice, uh, twice. to various more for David Njoku and then Dante Pettis for Ryan Kerrigan. And Twitter, Dante Pettis in a fifth. Dante oh, Pettis in a fifth. Dante Pettis in a fifth. So Yeah, for Ryan Kerrigan. So a player and then the value uh, for Kerrigan. Mm-hmm. Got it. Mm-hmm. Um, where are we on these trades? Uh, it's going to be a hardest of hard passes on the Tarverius more for David and Joku. Uh, I don't think the 49ers need another tight end. Uh, Jordan Reed looked fine when he was playing for him. Obviously, he's on IR and he's going to be down for a while. But I, I don't understand why Tarverius Moore is on the field. Correct. I don't understand. We saw so much hype from him in the Super Bowl in that three safety set, and they just looked so good. And they've gone completely far away from it. I don't get it. Even like Travis Moore has experience as a corner. He has experience at safety. He has experience all over that defense. They're not using him. I don't get it. So if he's in the doghouse, like Okella was, maybe that's a trade we see, but on paper, I don't like it. I don't like it. David Njoku is an incredible athlete and he's a good tight end. And I think he would thrive in, in, in Kyle Shanahan's system, but comma pause for effect. How many goddamn tight ends do you need? Yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't think they need another one. I think Ross Welly is fine. They don't use a second tight end enough to justify trading someone like Tarverius Moore. He's a third round pick. He needs to see the field. We've seen him do it. We've seen him play well. He needs to see the field. So I don't like that first in Joku trade. And I don't want to give Joe Woods back any toys. <laughs> exactly. 
I don't want to give him back to Joe Woods because Joe Woods actually apparently knows how to use these guys. So yeah. no, it's, it's gonna be a hard pass for me on that first one. Yeah, that's a that's a big loss, Joe Woods for Tony Oden, and uh, I think we're all starting to notice the miscommunication in the back end with the secondary. And Joe Woods was one of those guys. Communication was a big deal uh, for Joe Woods in this defensive backfield. Um, yes, I'm very much against that trade. Tavares Moore for David and Joker doesn't make any sense. Tavares Moore needs to be on the field. I don't know why we are playing so much base defense um, by having three linebackers on the field. Um, it doesn't seem like it's working, especially it didn't work last week. Um, so we should get to see Tavares more and more often. I would love to see it. Uh, the other trade was Dante Pettis in the fifth for Ryan Kerrigan. If I am Washington, I'm hanging up the phone. Absolutely. Uh, why would why would you even entertain that if you're Washington? Uh, and it's not just because of Dante Pettis. It's also because of Ryan Kerrigan. Uh, Kerrigan, 32 years old, is on the last year of his contract. I understand Washington's probably not going anywhere this year. But again... Are they out of it? Dallas leads the division with two wins. They just lost Dak Prescott. Yeah. It, this division could be a six-win six team gets in. Playoffs? Don't talk about it. Playoffs? You kidding me? We could see it. We could absolutely see it. And so far this year, Ryan Kerrigan's been playing not terrible. He's a pass rush specialist. That's his job. That's his yeah. only job at this point. He got two sacks against the Eagles. He hasn't gotten any since. But still, it's it's... He has one job. Go get the pa- go get the pass rusher. And when when Chase Young went down, Kerrigan stepped into that role. I don't think you want to get rid of him if you're Washington. I wouldn't. He's been he's been he's been there his entire career. Yeah. He's been there his entire career. I've met Ryan Kerrigan a bunch of times living in the DC area. He's an incredibly nice guy. He's my wife's favorite player. She already told me I have to stop talking about him cuz no, the 49ers <laughs> aren't allowed to have him cuz my wife will drive to Landover, Maryland, Ashburn, Virginia, wherever they want to have the 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 facility and she will start tearing down doors to make sure Ryan Kerrigan is there. I think I think she's really sad that he's married, but um, anyway. <laughs> what? Yeah, no, it's, it's it's a thing, man. It's a um, thing. No, Kerrigan. I love Kerrigan. If I'm the 49ers and I can get Kerrigan for Dante Pettis, who means nothing to this team right now. Yeah, means absolutely over. nothing. Kyle Shanahan just came out and said that he basically closed the door on wide receiver and said, eh, maybe we'll use him as a kick returner. That's it. It's, it's done. Dante Pettis is done in San Francisco. So, you know, if you're going to give that in a fifth round pick to get a pass rusher, then what, what's it going to do? What's it going to do, Javi? What does what is Brian Kerrigan do? Rush the passer. Yeah, but who's it do with one of our guys? What? Eric Armstead goes inside. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's also good to that. Yeah, Eric yeah, Armstead so- goes inside, and that's there. Yeah. Yeah, so that was that was I was waiting for you waiting for you to finish before I got in there. But yeah, adding Ryan Kerrigan pushes Eric Armstead to the inside, who is also playing very well on the outside. But that's just not his primary position. We saw that last year. Yes, in base defense last year, it was Nick Bosa, D four. I'm sorry, Nick Bosa, Defo, um, DJ Jones or Solomon Thomas, and then Eric Armstead. And then on nickel, it was Defo and Armstead in the middle. Mm-hmm. Bosa and Ford on the outside, and when Ford wasn't playing, which was a lot, um, Blair was out there, um, Demontre Moore was out there, they had Anthony Zettel at one point out there, so you you kick in your best big defensive tackles, where they, you put them where they belong, and that's kind of mm-hmm. where you want Eric Armstead to be playing next to Javon Kinlaw. Um, that was ideally the dream before coming into the season, before Nick Bosa goes down and D. Ford goes down, um, but adding Kerrigan does that. Now Ronnie Blair is on the way back. That would be nice to have Ronnie Blair, Ryan Kerrigan, and Kerry Hyder rotating. That'd be a very nice piece, but 
I think Washington would hang up the phone immediately with that offer. Um, mm-hmm. But if Ryan Kerrigan isn't willing, is to come back next year anyways, it's possible to some value for him. A fifth-round pick, he is 32 years old. You're going to have to pay him in Washington. The Niners could use him as a rental. But are the Niners going to make a deep playoff run? That's Are you going to give up assets? You're going to give up picks for guys who may not be back the, next, the following year. So um, it's, a, it's a weird spot for the Niners right now at 2-3. and three, It makes a lot of these decisions very tough. I think this game goes a very long way into determining what their strategy is for the season. Correct. They I think if they, win this game, if, they, if, they, if they win this game, I think they become buyers because that, that extra playoff spot in the NFC is huge. No one in the NFC East is getting an extra playoff spot. Cancel. They're done. I don't think anyone, maybe the Bears, if they can continue to kind of sneak by and, and continue to win games or whatever, they might win in, they might get one of the extra spots in the NFC North. But I think I think the spots are coming out of the NFC West, right? The wild card spots. So if the 49ers come out and win this game, they could be buyers. They could be heavy buyers. If they lose, which I think they're going to lose, we could see them be sellers. Does does Jaquaski Tart go on the move? Does Quan Alexander go on the move? Does all these guys on the last year of their contract start to get to sh- get shifted because the 49ers want to start recouping picks and letting John Lynch do what he does best, which is trade a thousand picks on draft day. <laughs> so I, I think this game will go a long way into t- determining whether or not the 49ers want to be buyers or sellers in the season. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely agree. Um, and, you know, if they are sellers, you know, one guy, the name that does come up is Akella Witherspoon and Tchaikovsky Target. Like those would be the two names that would stick out the most to me as far as, you know, the team selling to get extra picks in this upcoming draft. Um, but this team has a, a tall task ahead of them, um, as we always do. Three keys to victory. The Niners, we just heard JB just talk about it. You know, mm-hmm. he doesn't foresee a blowout on either side um, because this is such a rivalry. There's, you know, there's human nature here. If this, if this 49ers locker room has a pulse, uh, they're not going to go away quietly, and hopefully they, do, they don't go away quietly. You know, at the end of the day, I think just because we do a podcast, people forget that we are fans first. Um, and we don't like when they lose. We get pissed Correct. off like the rest of everybody, like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if our opinion carries more weight than anyone else's, but we just get, you know, a little bit. We get a little bit upset about these things. And um, but this Rams team isn't. I don't think they're that far ahead of the Niners. Um, and I don't think Sean McVay is that much better than Kyle Shanahan or vice versa. I think they're kind of almost equal. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this game, the Niners need to. Stay ahead of the chains. That is my first key to victory. You cannot take sacks on first down. You cannot get behind the chains on first down because now you're out of sync on the run game and you, you're you you're in third and eights a lot a lot more. Um, and Aaron Donald's on the other side. Leonard Floyd's on the other side. You just heard JB talk about that pass rush. It is really, really good. And the defense, you know, is good. But the middle part of the defense is lacking. There's parts there's there. There's opportunities there for the Niners to take advantage of these linebackers. But... The safety play and Jalen Ramsey can mask some of those things. So, um, the staying ahead in the staying ahead in the downs um, is the biggest key to me in this game. You have to start first and first and ten has to be first and has to be second and five or second and three. Like you cannot be second and eight, second and nine, or second and eleven um, because you allowed a sack or you got a tackle for loss. This offensive line needs to get together and. And protect the quarterback. I don't care who's back there. You have to protect them. Um, but yeah, staying ahead of the chains is my first key to victory. 
Yeah, similar to that, mine is my first key is feed Kittle. But to go back to yours, I mean, pretty much the last two weeks we've seen them. If they took a sack on first down and it was second and 16, Wisnowski might as well come out and punt on second down because they're not going to do anything with the ball. They, they, they did not possess the ability to, to get themselves out of a hole. So absolutely staying ahead of the chains is, is a must. And one way one of the ways they can do that is feed Kittle. Just feed him the ball. Much like we saw with the Philadelphia Eagles, they have really the Rams have not equally as bad linebackers because the Philly the Philly linebackers are really bad, but they're not great. They're not great. So you're gonna have to force LA to do whatever they can to contain Kittle, and because of that, just feed him the ball. He he crushed the Eagles over and over, over and over. In in just quick quick say. Whoever's playing quarterback, it sounds like it's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo at this point. He's a full participant in practice today. There's no injury, nothing. As we said, he wasn't hurt on Sunday. They pulled him because mm-hmm. he was playing poorly. Um, it, can he just lead Kittle? Like two passes on Sunday? That's it. That's all I want. Just get Kittle the ball in stride and let him do what he does best, which is punish DBs who try and tackle him. And break tackles and just and just move the ball down the field. Uh, like JB said, Kittle has been a, a a a thorn in the side of the Rams since he showed up. Uh, he set the record for most receiving yards against the Rams in twenty in twenty eighteen. Last year he had that huge run where he took five Rams to tackle him. He stiff armed two of them into the shadow realm. I mean, just get this guy the ball in space and let him do his thing. Let him cook and and please hit him in stride because feeding Kittle and getting your best offensive player going and taking some pressure off the run game and, and opening up the defense just a little bit could be absolutely huge for the 49ers. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the the, the Jimmy Garoppolo thing, It's the passes are either late, behind, or high. Again, you guys, you're throwing interceptions or you're just off target, um, which leads to longer down and distance if you're not completing those passes either. And that's that's a big part of it. Um, I'm. I want to be really positive about this game. I'm really, really trying. <laughs> um, but the my second key to victory is run the ball, run the ball, and part of running the ball is your defense. You know, don't send Brian Allen out there to get toasted by Robert Woods. And I don't think Brian Allen's going to be on the roster this week. I hope uh, Manuel Mosey was back in practice, so that's going to help quite a bit. Um, but you have staying ahead of the chains also means you need to run the ball. You need to control the clock. You need to keep the possessions down. You need to have, you know, nine possessions for the Niners and seven for the Rams. Like that's just kind of how you have to do this game. Um, because the Rams are so high power, they can they can attack you from anywhere. And the you know, to do that is controlling the clock, get to your twenty five to thirty rush attempts, and you should be in position to win this game. Um, every time Raheem Most touches the ball, it looks like he's gonna take it to the house. So um, you know, if McGlinchey has to hold on to that block a little bit longer or Trent Williams doesn't miss on a block, there's a lot of holes in this offense for the running backs to run free. You know, watching the tape, I know the offensive line took a lot of shit the last couple weeks. They weren't as bad as it showed on tape. And then listening to guys like Greg Cosell, who's a lot smarter than me about the film study, he said the same thing. You know, they just a second or second longer here, a second longer there. This game is completely different. Um, but yeah, the Niners need to run the ball at least 25 to 30 times to win this game. Raheem Mostert's having seven yards per carry this year, by the way. Seven, seven. yards per carry. Now, it includes an 80-yard touchdown scamper against the Jets on the first play of the game. 
but still seven yards per carry. I don't care if someone has 80. That's an absurd number. That's an absolute absurd number. And he looks, it's so clear that he's the fastest player on the field. As soon as he gets that ball in his hands, it looks like he's shot out of a cannon. If he can get one more block or if he can break one more tackle, he's always, always, always a threat to hit the home run. So I 100% believe running the football is going to be very important for them. Um, but you, you mentioned what, what is the key to running the football? You mentioned it. You can't get down scores early. My second key to the game is keep it close in the first half. Keep it close. Allow Kyle Shanahan to operate his offense the way he normally does. Allow him to use the running game. Allow him to use play action. Allow him to just run a scheme. When you get down 14, 21 points, all of a sudden, throw it all out the window. Throw it all out the window because you can't do it. In, in, in the quarterback play this year, I don't care who it's been, if it's been Garoppolo, Mullins, Beathard, whoever, it hasn't been good enough to come back from 21 points. If the 49ers want to win this game, they cannot go down 14 nothing early. They can't have a bad turnover. They can't have a quick three and out. They can't have whatever it is. Whatever prevents them from going down 14 nothing early. I, I think they have to keep it at a one-score game. The entire game if they want a chance to win. I think a two-score lead for, for the Rams could be the death now just because it takes so much away from this offense. A 10-point lead's not bad. But two-touchdown lead, if it ever gets to two touchdowns, I'm going to consider the game lost. Because I don't think that the 49ers possess the ability to come back the way they run their offense right now and the way that the, the passing game is working and the way they depend so much on the rushing game. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. And talking to our guy, Croc, the other day, we, you know, me and him talked on the phone the other day. He, he had mentioned um, that the Niners are like the Ravens. If the run game isn't working and they're down too many scores, they're not going to come back. And the way the offense is designed... Um, like he just said, they they it's predicated so much on play action and the run game that people are going to sit on the sticks. Raheem Mostert mentioned it in the press conference. You know, when I say it, I get yelled at. Uh, but he <laughs> says no one respects the pass game. Well, of course no one respects the pass game because people don't respect Jimmy Garoppolo. And then, of course, if you're not running the ball, you can't sell a play action. Um, you know, it's... They need to have... They need to just let it rip, let it fly, open it up. You know, there's been in, in the, the game against the Dolphins, there was time for the things, for things to develop. There were guys running wide open, whether Jimmy was healthy or not, we'll never really, really know. Uh, but if you're healthy enough to, to, uh, to put your pads on and get out there, then you're healthy enough to play. And that's kind of where I'm at with him on that one. Um, but that's also, if it, if it wasn't that good, that's also negligence on the coaching staff and the training staff with Jimmy Garoppolo getting him out there like that. Mm-hmm. Um, my third key to the game is, like, we gave Sean McVay a whole bunch of shit about not adjusting. And the third key to this game is Kyle Shanahan needs to adjust. Robert Sala needs to adjust. If something is not working, change it. Um, if a player isn't performing, remove them immediately. You know, there was no reason for Brian Allen to be in there for that that long after the first one. Um, with the offense, if, if the pass game isn't working... You know, run the ball. If the run game isn't working, set up things to allow the run game to work. Mm-hmm. You know, these bubble screens, um, the jet sweeps, those things allow the other stuff to operate. And Kyle Shanahan manufactures this offense anyways to begin with. Um, and, you know, Jimmy just needs to manage the game because Kyle is scheming it up where guys are wide open. Um, so Kyle Shanahan and Robert Sala need to adjust to what he they are seeing from the Rams on offense and defense 
and just kind of just have a, a good game plan. You know, I can live with a 24 to 28 loss to the Rams. What I can't live mm-hmm. with is a 40 to 7 loss. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You have to make the adjustments and keep this game close and competitive. You know, if Brian Hoyer can throw... Brian Hoyer's like that was his peak game for his career uh, against the Rams a couple years ago. If Brian Hoyer can do it. What the? Why can't Jimmy Garoppolo do it? Like, come on! And that team was way worse in 2017. And really, than a what fan, they are right and now. really a phantom Trent Taylor offensive pass interference call away from maybe even winning mm-hmm. that game. A Robbie, exactly. a Robbie Gold missed extra point actually is the difference in that one. Um, that was a wild. That was a wild game on Thursday night. I think we were getting was, our ass kicked, and then they, they just came storming back. Yeah, it was it was nuts. It was a wild game. That's what I was living on the Pierre West Garçon, Coast. Pierre Garcon, that that cat, that the reception that he had was in his fingertips. That was yeah. amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Like, dial it up, Kyle. That like, was what do you have to lose at this point? You're two and three. Do it. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that game up because my third key to the game. It's not a key to the game. It's not a key to the game. It's a key to the season. Fucking show me something. Show me something. Show the fans something. Show yourself something. Go out there with energy. Make it look like you want to be there. Because the last two weeks, this team doesn't look like they want to be there. Yeah. They, they, they look defeated. They look like they've taken the injuries, and it's just completely taken all the energy out of the entire team. Show me you want to be there. Show me Show me some energy. You get a third down stop, get pumped. Slam your helmets together. We all played football as kids. We know what that's like. We know how much fun that is to do. Do that. Do that. When the offense gets a big play, I want to see the sideline get pumped. When the defense makes a big play, I want to see the sideline get pumped. Show me some energy and show me that the season isn't lost. And and just show me that it's worth watching the games on Sunday. Because if they go out and they lay another, like you said, 40-7 to stinker, and they look the same as they did against the Miami Dolphins, recording this podcast is going to be the thing I, I least look forward to. (laughs) because <laughs> I don't I'm not going to want to watch the games but I have to, I, I, I have a compulsion I have to watch the games I, can't, I don't care what scores I'm just going to sit there and watch it show me something show some energy somebody messes up and, and, and it's, it's very clearly throw a helmet on the sideline start yelling at it. I don't care I don't care what kind of energy it is just don't look defeated that's that don't look defeated. That's that's my third key to the game season, whatever it was. I changed it up because that as we've been talking, it's been festering in my head. Just don't yeah, make it look like the season is completely lost. If if I, I don't think this is a playoff team, I don't think this is a team's gonna win very many games, but just be competitive. Make the games fun to watch, please. That's all I want. Just make the games watchable. And that all starts with the energy you come on the field with. Yeah, the Niners need to come out with some type of energy. They cannot be flat. The last two games, they were flat. Um, and expecting to win in those two games this time, your back's against the wall. Um, you're that, you know, animal in the corner, like JB said. This is the time, you know, you need to fight back. Show some heart, show some fight. Um, I'm not, I'm not, you know, questioning the will or their, their, their heart or anything like that, but this is it. Like, this is the season mm-hmm. in week six. We did not expect to be at this point. In week six. Now, granted, the injuries are there, you know, the guys that are missing. But you still have some elite talent on this team. Fred Warner exists. George Kittle exists. You know, Trent Williams is an all-pro tackle. Mike McGinty is a first-round pick. Um, Eric Armstead, those guys, they're, they're very good players. Um, it's just time to show up, and you need to show up. And Kyle Shanahan's a top-five coach. He's a, you know, top two or three play caller. You know, there's just there's too much talent on this team for them to be two and four 
especially with the losses they've taken. And I, like I said, I, I can live with a 28 to 24 loss, you know, or a, a, a walk-off field goal by the Rams or something like that. But what I cannot live with is a 43 to 17 loss to the Rams. It means you quit. And that's what, that's what it looked like against the Dolphins. And hopefully they got their shit together. George Kittle said he did make a phone call to Joe Staley and that they've had really good practices the last couple days. So we'll see how that turns out into the game. Um, but I'm picking the Niners to win this game. Okay. Okay. And I'm picking them to win 30 to 27. They're going to win by three points. I'm going to put money on it and I'll show my ticket to the, <laughs> to the Twitter world. Um, but 30 to 27 Niners pull this game out. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo has a bounce back game. Um, I'm still not certain on Jimmy Garoppolo. That doesn't mean anything, but he's still the quarterback of this team. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to root for him regardless. Mm-hmm. I can critique him if I choose to. Right. Um, but 30 to 27 Niners win this game Raheem Mostert has a big game and George Kittle does George Kittle things. And, uh, we see some creativity with Debo and Ayuk in the backfield. See, you said, you said my score three times now. You said it three times. 28-24 Rams win this one. Um, but, so you said you're betting on the 49ers. I, I bet on the Rams minus three and a half. So congratulations, 49ers. You're probably going to win this game because I suck at picking winners when it comes to betting. So I took that three and a half line on Monday. As soon as I saw that came out, I took I took the Rams minus three and a half. Uh, just, just to either jinx them, jinx the 49ers, or, or win money. Either way, it's a win-win for me. Um, so I, I really think that the Rams are just too much. Uh, if it was just Bosa and if it was just Ford, I think they win. But they're missing key parts in the secondary. Um, Emmanuel Mosley is coming back. He's out of his blue non-contact, which is great. So it should be Mosley, Verrett, and, and Spoon as, as your corners. And Jamar Taylor scares me. Not seeing Therese Moore in the field scares me. K1 being out. I can't I can't pick the Niners. I can't. I picked them five times this year and I've been burnt three times. And and three times I picked them, I picked them to win handedly, and they haven't. So I, I'm finally, finally, finally going against the 49ers on picking the Rams to win, which again is probably a good thing for 49ers fans because when I pick, I'm really bad at my predictions. So don't listen, <laughs> don't listen to my bets. Listen, listen to like Anita Marks when she had her show tonight. When she when she makes bets, listen to her. When I follow her, I do all right. When I follow myself and my own brain, I don't I don't do great. So so I'm picking the Rams to win 28-24. I do think it is somewhat close, and I absolutely agree with JB when he said that a Niners win wouldn't surprise me. A Rams win wouldn't surprise me. A Rams blowout wouldn't surprise me. But a 49ers blowout would be like, oh, shit. What, what happened here? So that is the only outcome that I would be genuinely surprised about. You know, if, if the Niners blew out the Rams, I don't know how I would take this team. Like, it would be. I would be it, like, wait, be wait, what? You had this in you this entire time, and you fucking decided to not do it against the Eagles and, and, and the Dolphins. It would be such and a. You decided to wake up tease, for the Rams. It'd be such a tease, and we'd we'd be sitting here, and it would buy us hope for another week, and then they'd be getting the Patriots, yeah. and they, well, maybe Cam's not playing. Maybe he is. Maybe they, they can contain Cam. They can do that, and then Cam Newton goes out and runs for three hundred yards and six touchdowns, and then we're like, <laughs> shit, back to back to square one. No, I, I really think I really think the Rams just have too much firepower on offense. And the, the 49ers are missing key players at key spots. Uh, we've said it before. Jared Goff in a clean pocket is elite. Absolutely elite. elite. He's got I, – I did, I did a 
I did, I did a Rams podcast earlier tonight with my guy Derek, and he asked, you know, what's the difference between Jimmy Garoppolo and Jared Goff? Jared Goff comes off the Super Bowl and has kind of a down year, and he doesn't look great. Jimmy Garoppolo kind of doing the same thing, and I said, the difference is arm talent. Jared Goff yeah. can make every single throw in the NFL. He yeah. can make every single throw. He is an elite arm talent. And when he has time and when he's given a clean pocket, he will pick you apart. I don't think the 49ers can ratchet up the pressure enough to get him off his game, especially with Armstead coming off the outside, which he hasn't done bad, hasn't done poorly about, but it's just that's not his preferred pass rush position. I want him on the inside. So I don't, I, I just think Jared Goff is too much. Cooper Cup, I think, has a big game. Like JB said, you know, it could be anybody that has the big game, but. 28-24, right? That's a really long-winded way for me to predict a four-point win for the Rams. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's fine. And, you know, I think, you know, if the Niners do this game, then, you know, it's time to start thinking about the future. Yeah. It's time to start looking at, you know, the draft. I hate doing that in the middle of October, but it is what it is. Right. You know, sometimes it's not your year, and you just got to look at the future. Um but that seventh playoff spot does leave a lot of hope for teams. Um, yeah. Especially a very but, weird and weak NFC. A win this week, yeah. I, a win this week, and I, I, I might uneliminate the 49ers in the playoffs. Just because yeah, like if they win this sideways. week and, and the Cardinals lose and then mm-hmm. the, the Dallas Cowboys lose and the Vikings win and the Packers lose, like everything, it gets all jumbled up. So there's that seventh playoff spot creates a lot of hope for teams like the Niners who are two and three right mm-hmm. now. They would look a lot better at three and three going in through this stretch. Um, but that should do it. 31, 20, 30 to 27 for me, 28, 24 for Matt. Um, check us out on Twitter at fourth and gold podcast. Um, we do have the Brandon Ayuk hoodies, t-shirts, ladies, hoodies, kids, hoodies, um, and just your basic pullover sweater available for sale. That is pinned into the profile of the fourth and gold podcast, Twitter account. Um, go check that out. Proceeds, a portion of the proceeds are going to go to the California Wildfire Relief Fund. We want to make sure we're giving back. Um, those aren't our communities, but we want to make sure we're giving that back to folks who do listen to us in California who may need that. Um, you know, we, we appreciate everyone's support. So uh, this is a way to give back. We thought this would be a good idea to do so. Um, and I do have a mini helmet to give away. I'm going to post that here later on tonight. Um, but that should do it. We are brought to you by Pro Football Network. Follow them at PFN365 um, and use the promo code PFN for your 20% off Manscaped. Um, go ahead and make sure you're taking care of your, you know, your package. Guys, your ladies like clean packages. At least mine does. So Same. there's that. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but we'll be back post game Sunday Night Football. Yep. You know, everyone keep the faith. We're all trying to keep the faith. Uh, but until Sunday night, I'm Javi. That is Matt. Check me out on Twitter at JavierBake underscore. Check out Matt at... Matt Bar underscore. I also have the Brandon Ayuk hoodies, sweaters, t-shirts. I have that pinned on my Twitter page too, so please go there. Uh, like I said, like said, we don't live in California. He lives in Texas. I live in Maryland. But we both know and, and, and are good friends of people that have been severely affected by the fires in California. So we're, we're, we're doing our best to, to give back when we can, even though you know it's not... It's not home for us. So so please get your hoodies. They're, they're super sweet. Javi did a great job with the design. And like you said, PFN, make sure you're following 
all the podcasts on there. Make sure you're following my guy Javi over there when he does his show with Anita Marks live every Thursday night. He plays Stat Boy and he does a great job of it. They had, <laughs> they had, uh, I met Jane Slater today, yeah, bro. Yeah, they had Jane Slater on there tonight. Uh, it's as the Twitter folks would say, you got sources? Yes, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna wake my wife up. No, that was great. Uh, yeah, so so at map or underscore, um, and you know, let's get to Sunday night football. Yeah, let's get this win. Uh, but until Sunday night, everyone be safe out there. Go Niners. Peace. Under NASA's Artemis program, Dynetics and Lidos will develop and build a new human landing system, advancing economic opportunities and paving the way for a sustained lunar economy. Learn more at DyneticsHLS.com. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl and a foul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.